Hi, welcome to Sustainable Energy Asia podcast. I'm Yeo. And I'm Ben. Today, we're receiving Kunal Shah, Asia Managing Director at Lenagia, an integrated solution provider for organic waste management and resource recovery. Biogas became a very important topic with many big-scale acquisitions in 2022-2023, such as BP's acquisition of Arkea, NextEra, 1 billion portfolio acquisition, Macquarie acquisition of Bewa uh, Biogas Division, Vauro Energy acquisition of BEC. It was great to have Kunal on the subject, who is very passionate about the development of biogas and biomethane as a way to mitigate climate change. He introduced the production process of biogas biomethane through anaerobic digestion. Yes, I believe with supporting policy and incentives, biogas and biomethane could be the low-hanging fruit for ASEAN region in accelerating energy transition through development of alternative renewable energy. As always, we would appreciate if you could take the time to rate and comment on the show. It helps listeners to find us. Thanks, and on with the show. Hi, Kuna. Welcome on the show. Could you tell us something about yourself and how you came to work in the waste and the biogas sector? I am Kunal, Chief Growth Officer of Energia and also the Managing Director Asia. I'm a chemical engineer by background with about 14 years of experience in the water waste slash biogas industry. I have built different kinds of water infrastructure as well as now waste and biogas plants with a focus on Asia. So the part in India I grew is the desert where there is very less water. So water is a sector which always excited me. And when we use water, human beings or industries, we all generate wastewater. That wastewater causes environmental pollution and it's a nuisance value. And then one part of the wastewater is the sludge, which is the solid part of the wastewater. Now this sludge has been Landfill, which causes methane emissions and is a problem. What we have done in the past and we do now is to convert that sludge. So that's how we came into the water industry. And I was working for one of the largest listed water companies in India called Iltek Waba. And then I joined Energia, which is a public listed company in Canada. I always saw every developing world has a mountain next to the city. And it's usually the garbage mountain. That kind of was always there with me that the waste industry is the lowest hanging fruit to contributing to either the generation of renewable energy or creating biogas and biomethane as a fuel and resource recovery so that basically nothing goes wasted in the land and everything is recycled back. So imagine a world where everything was recycled back and you will never have any more garbage markets. And that's how I ended up at Energia and kind of loving it. And as you were saying, you were Chief Growth Officer at Energia. Can you give us a brief introduction about Energia, your goals as an institution, and some numbers about the company? Sure, happy to do that. Energia, as I said, we are listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange, currently one of the world's largest listed organic waste technology platform. That means that we convert under one company any kind of organic waste on planet Earth, whether it's wastewater sludge, municipal solid waste, agricultural waste, and industrial organic waste made from food impression. So we are a platform which can convert all these different kinds of waste and repurpose them using proprietary technologies and vertically and horizontally integrated solutions into either a renewable energy molecule or a renewable gas molecule, clean fertilizer, recyclables, and clean water. Uh, we have built over 1,700 anaerobic digestion facilities, producing about 5 million MMBTU per year of green gas. 
which is equivalent of powering 90,000 homes in, in Europe. We are managing 8 million tons a year of waste, which is a 2 to 2.5 times the waste we generate here in Singapore. So as a company across our facilities, we manage about 135 to 150 megawatts of waste energy generated. And all that done through uh, using about 240 patents. That's great. Actually, you touched a little bit about methane molecule. Let's take a look into that. Uh, since we all know methane is one of the greenhouse gas and contribute to climate change, particularly when released into the atmosphere in large quantities. So can you tell us how this process is taking place and in the end contribute to the climate change? Absolutely. And thank you for that very good question. Methane emissions has been a bit underlooked compared to carbon dioxide over a 20-year period. It is 80 times more potent, which means it has 80 times more of a carbon dioxide, pound for pound. So that's one fact. Second fact, the United Nations has put forward a degree Celsius out of the 1.1 degree Celsius of the warming is due to reasons of methane emission. So that's fact number two. Fact number three, 30 to 40% of the global warming today is because of methane emissions from oil and gas industry, agricultural sector, livestock, and so on and so forth. Methane's high potency, as I explained, is a problem. But I also felt there is a silver lining. And the silver lining is that it dissipates in the atmosphere after about a decade. Whereas carbon dioxide lasts in the atmosphere for century. It means that efforts to reduce methane emission offer the fastest route to slowing global warming. That's the excellent introduction. And I guess this leads us to the subject of today, which is really biogas and biomethane. Uh, so w when we speak about biogas and biomethane, could you first start by defining them and why these refer as a carbon negative fuel. Then telling us why is it so important to reduce green gas houses emissions? Happy to. Now, biogas is called a gas made from biogenic materials. So just imagine a rotten apple or a rotten banana, which is thrown away. You can now, under anaerobic conditions in a technology called anaerobic digester, convert that into biogas. This is a gas which similar to natural gas is comprised of methane, carbon dioxide, some hydrogen sulfide and water. So that's biogas. You can convert that biogas molecule into a biomethane molecule. Now, what is biomethane? Biogas is about 40 to 50, 55% methane, remaining carbon dioxide, nitrogen and H2S. Using advanced technology, we can strip off the CO2 and convert this biogas from 50% methane to 90 plus percent methane. You can even go to 99.99% purity of methane, which is actually natural gas. That's why it's called renewable natural gas. So biomethane is gas produced from biogenic material. Now, carbon dioxide is produced when biomethane is combusted. When we burn biomethane, it does not increase the amount of CO2 present in the atmosphere, but it makes it circulate in short carbon cycles. Anytime with biomethane replaces fossil fuel, CO2 emissions are prevented. You slow climate change in two ways, methane reduction and displacement of fossil fuel. Now, why carbon negative? Biogas is being generated from, let's say, animal waste or manure. It was going to generate X amount of GHG emissions. You avoid that and now you replace fossil gas. So you kind of take the bar further away and you make a carbon negative. And the negative carbon fuel depends on the quantity of the waste and the methane gas emissions possibility. 
That's very promising hearing the description of this. And so now let's talk about numbers. How do you estimate the global market of today and what's the potential market size? If I were to quote some numbers from International Energy Agency, let's take the factual numbers of established markets. Europe decided that 6% of its gas has to be green gas by 2030. This was before the Russia-Ukraine war. That meant close to 30 to 40 billion euros investment. And, and Europe has now set a target after the war of 35 million cubic meters of biomethane, which is almost 14 times more than all the plants have been built in the last 50 years. So the speed, the financing requirement have to be all matching. So it's a big, big, big industry. The U.S. needs 15,000 Dichester facilities. There are currently only 200, 300 running at a scale of very small kind of facilities, discrete, decentralized. And the energy use in Asia, our gas consumption is very high. The market size is in billions of dollars of gas as a fuel. Now, how to make that gas also cleaner gas? I think many Southeast Asian nations, for that matter, many developing nations are still using diesel or electricity, diesel for the trucks, the cars and the buses. Just imagine if these diesel engines were to be converted into CNG, which is going to be powered from the waste. It's called BioCNG. New Delhi in India has been running a CNG network since 30 years. Many cities in China, Thailand, have been running CNG buses for decades. This CNG was the first thing, but this is natural gas, fossil gas-based CNG. We have been converting waste into bio-CNG. So just the energy transition, it's not just about electricity and energy. It's also about the fuel. And so much emissions happen from vehicles, fuel industry, cement industry, and all those people need fuel, which is heat, which is gas. And we can convert waste into that. That's very interesting. You mentioned all the waste that are produced in the city, municipal waste. So my understanding is we can use waste to generate electricity. And could you tell us what are the potential here in the region in Southeast Asia for using municipal waste to generate renewable fuels? Now you're touching a topic which is very close to my heart and I've been so passionate I can talk for hours on that. But let's limit it to two, three minutes. Municipal solid waste is proportional to the human population. ASEAN, Southeast Asia, China and India are almost like 60-70% of the world's population. So we can generate 60% of the world's waste stream. Maybe a bit lower because we have our own consumption habits. Every city in Asia, big mountain. I mean, the waste mountain next to New Delhi was even called the Mount Everest of Garmin. You're talking about mountains which are as high as 40-50 story building. Decades people have been throwing. One single city of Jakarta generates about 50,000 tons a day of waste. This waste is being landfill. Our waste is full of organics. We can, using proven technology, extract organic waste from mixed waste. It's called the Oryx, organic extrusion technology. We don't need source segregation. We can segregate at the landfill. Now you got that organic waste from this garbage. This organic waste, we then clean and put it into anaerobic digestion to generate biogas. The problem is, on one hand, we try to put out solar panels over solar panels. We need that because if the scale has reached, the cost is good. But at the same time, the same cities which have solar panels born blank filling waste, emitting methane emissions. Just, no, it is not solving the problem. Another potential is biogas converted into electricity is base load. As solar power, you can only generate electricity 1400 hours in a year. 
in a biogas plant, you generate renewable energy 8,400 hours in a year. So literally across the year. One megawatt of biogas plant is equivalent to like setting up 15 to 20 megawatt at a decent efficiency of solar. That's why I was calling it a low hanging fruit. That's true. I believe Asian countries have a great potential in terms of increased use of biogas as renewable energy source. According to the IEA's projection, countries in Asia will lead the growth in the coming decades in terms of direct biogas use. This is a very good sign for low carbon emission and to provide alternative methods apart from solars or wind. Could you give an overview of the state of the developments of the biogas in the global context and maybe just a brief introduction of some inspirational experience that the other countries have used? Definitely, happy to. 20 years ago, Germany came out with this PD tariff for solar. When solar was expensive, that high PD tariff, that was a catalyst to grow the industry. And you see where the solar power has come down to in terms of competitiveness. Similarly, biogas was prevalent in civilization tens of years ago, even small scale. What German government did was to kind of bring it mainstream in a bigger scale. And Germany right now has about 8,000 biogas running. Just take that as an example. India has less than 200. So that's an example that the developing nations have built a lot of plants. I think personally, the developed world, America, Europe, has done it very well. They have regulations which are driving. Just take an example. California has a regulation. Landfills are okay, but no organic waste should go to the land because organic waste causes methane. So by 2030, the government have to give a target to the waste companies and provide better tariffs for the biomethane. So diverting the organic waste from the landfills. So the markets really went up in the last five years for biomethane. That was one of the reasons, regulations and incentives for green gas. Well, there was another thing. After the Russia-Ukraine war, Europe started further pushing the incentives on carbon dioxide emits and on green gas so that they can have their own local gas to reduce dependency on external or overseas gas. People say that biogas plants are generally small, and million, 20 million dollar asset value. I think our biggest biogas plant, uh, which is North America's largest biogas facility, is in the next to the city of Los Angeles. It's a single plant for about 200 million US dollars. Uh, two years ago, we started developing a project in Denmark, which we recently saw, can generate about 1.4 million MMBTU per year. That's a lot of quantity when it comes to biogas plants. So, scale of these plants has been growing, which is what investors like. Technology risk has gone down. And last but not the least is off-take. Who is going to buy this green gas? I can tell you right now, as there is a rush for the green energy molecule by industries, some of the leading names, they all want green gas. They're willing to give a premium. So you see, from a risk perspective, if the technology is proven, keep talking available, off-takes are available, you have to just connect. I can definitely see the appeal in the developed world. In comparison, what is the state of the incentive in the region? Because, I mean, that will have a lot to do with uh, the ability you will have to develop this sector in the region. Unfortunately, Benjamin, most of the countries we are surrounded by do not have a biogas or a biomethane incentive yet, except a few. India has a national policy on biomethane. It's called the Satta scheme, uh, whereby the national oil companies of India are willing to buy green gas at the production factory. It's one of the best schemes we have seen in the region. Australia is thinking of introducing renewable gas 
certificates, which will be over and above the fossil fuel value. Apart from that, most of the other places, uh, the government incentive for biogas are related to electricity, not biomethane. Yeah. So biomethane is then left to being off state to Fortune 500. So there is no risk. Or the large oil and gas companies like Shell, BP, Total, uh, who are all willing for quite some time to buy this green gas and reduce their overall carbon footprint. You mentioned the green energy molecule before. It would be interesting to compare it with uh, other renewable gases, for example, green hydrogen. I think there's a lot of tall discussion of projects announced on green hydrogen. One of the bigger things which hydrogen is pushing forward is that it can be generated at a single location or any location in the world where there is cheap energy and some water available so that that can be produced in a large quantity. People are looking at Australia, some other parts of the world. I would like that really to fly, but just look at where we are. To me, the whole complexity of not just producing, but storing it, liquefying, transporting it. When you transport it to another country and further treat it, transporting it as liquid ammonia or as a carrier. I think all that is been terrific. I think it boils down currently to the economics. Your question was comparing both both have a space, but I think the reason we are working so actively in the biomethane space is because it is available it be quickly using proven technologies, not something 2035, 2040. It is a dropping fuel, same natural gas pipelines, same ship which transport energy can transport bioenergy. It can be generated in large quantities and costs are coming down. And the effects of things in multiple less because you now not just reduce the methane emission from waste, but you have now repurposed into carbon negative. And you can generate it in every country in the world because there is waste in every country. That's true. There's a lot of efficiency and cost issues with hydrogen, but it's also true that there's a lot of capital waiting for projects to be invested in, and, but we still have years before these marias because most of the projects are pretty early stage at the moment. You also mentioned right now with the war in Ukraine, the price of natural gas has really increased and making biogas and biomethane cost competitive compared to importing LNG, for example. Could you give us a sense of what is the cost per MMBTU of biogas or biomethane today? And what is your view on where these costs can go in the future? It's a very common question. It's a tough one because, as you know, biogas production cost depends on the processing cost of the way. So if you're making this permethane from a garbage or you're making it from farm oil wastewater or you're making it from animal waste, so the cost of production is different in all the cases. What I would say is that, at least for Europe, it was so happy to see that the cost of biomethane was actually cheaper than the cost of fossil gas. Because the fossil gas went up. In many other countries, natural gas is subsidized. So if you remove that subsidy, I think we can match prices of biomethane. Right now, we are looking at uh, a range between $18 to $35 per MMBTU for green gas. Some of the developed world can even go up to $50 an MMBTU. But I think talking about Asia, that's the number you need 18 to 30 in order to make a viable business case. But again, this can change. This can go higher, lower, depending on the cost. And also, depending on the cost of construction of the biogas, which differentiates from different countries. Some countries, the cost of construction is higher and some is lower. Now that we will cover the costs, I'd like to delve into the use case of biogas. Actually, here in Singapore, we were seeing a flagship project towards Nexus in the area of used water and solid waste treatment. Could you talk about this integrated waste management facility project, how anaerobic digestion is used on this project and the role of Energia in this project? 
Fantastic. I'm always excited to speak about this project because this project is the world's largest integrated waste management facility. Let me break it down. This is going to be a first of its kind facility in the world and such a field. I'm talking about billions of dollars of facility where city waste, wastewater treatment plant of the city, food waste will all be co-located and the synergies between them will be leveraged. The waste will come in, they will generate renewable energy. Wastewater will be treated to generate recycled water. A sludge of the wastewater together with the food waste treated, which Energy as a company, we are the technology solutions provider for, will be the food waste will be treated. Food waste and wastewater sludge will be co-digested in the digester and the gas being generated will then be fed to the steam turbine and in the waste energy plant to enhance the efficiency. It's like a nexus. That's how they call it a nexus. This facility, I think, can be replicated across the world. Every city in the world has waste, food waste, and wastewater. If you bring it all together, you can explore and leverage the synergies. And we are very proud to be associated. It's also a very interesting facility where it can, in my view, only happen in Singapore, where four different government agencies came together as real brothers and sisters at such a large scale. So it's really uh, not just a technology marvel, but a very well thought of project and I congratulate all the stakeholders from consultants to technology providers to EPC contractors and we are very proud to be part of this in supplying the entire food waste say, technology solutions and creating a clean biopulp slurry which will then be digested with sewage sludge uh, with PUB and NEA together. That's very really fascinating for that. We can really see that you're passionate about it. Just to conclude, what is Energia's ambition over the next five years? If I were to say it in a word, as Tesla is for EV, Energia should be for sustainable fuel. If I were to describe that, we would like to be the world's largest sustainable fuel company. We are already one of the largest biomethane producers. We believe, as you see in our tagline, fueling a sustainable world. We would like to repurpose all the waste available on planet Earth into renewable fuel. In this podcast, we covered biogas, biomethane, but we're also working on a lot of other things, which includes creating sustainable aviation fuel for the airline industry from organic waste, creating green methanol for the shipping industry from organic waste. In one company, we are trying to decarbonize cities, industries, the shipping industry, and the transportation industry. So human mobility, cities and industries, decarbonization and scale. Thanks for coming on the show, Kunal. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you.